is everyone wearing their full stan looks today you know it head to toe like i'd like every day um i just think if you're gonna make a fashion brand and you know you have to name it which i get is going to be really difficult to do but if you're coming out with a fashion brand that basically has no original ideas and is like entirely derivative of an existing fashion brand that's essentially like a peer you shouldn't call it stan like you're really drawing attention it should have been called like original network but there you have it we now live in a world with with stan the stan fashion line do you stand or do you ban I, I see nothing to stand about Stan. This is episode 123. Is it still 123? Yeah. This, the next hour is, is um, it's all going to be episode 123 of Corporate Lunch. This is the GQ podcast about clothes. And um, we've got a lot to cover today. We actually have a, a big, uh, we have quite an agenda today. We've got a listener Q&A, um, a big meaty juicy and tender listener Q&A that we're going to dive into very soon, but we've got a little something just to get off the plate first before we Which get- Which is that I'm launching a quilted clothing um, brand. That's so sick because I'm launching a quilted clothing brand too. So am I, and it's called Sam. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, unlike your quilted clothing brands, Mine is like authentic because I, I truly love quilts and, and I've joined a, I met an old woman who also loves quilts. And now I have this authentic connection to the quilting culture, which I've been a part of for about eight, eight days now. So I just, I would just want to make that clear that my, you know, I'm an independent creative storyteller and that's all I have to say about it. Noah, I, I hear you. Um, and I feel like people might compare what you're doing and what Sam is doing to what I'm doing, but what I'm doing is different because I have a lot of TikTok followers (laughs) and I have incredible abs. It's the abs that, yeah, that makes the difference to be honest. The thing that people don't realize is that if you have abs, um, the New York times and Vogue runway have to cover your collection. It's just (laughs) how it works. And the thing about having abs is it doesn't matter what the clothes look like because you're just, you're not going to be wearing them most of the time anyway. Um, it's just for doing that thing where you like don't have a shirt on, then you snap your fingers, then you, and then you have the shirt on and then you snap your fingers and it, it's gone again. Like the magic of TikTok is really, it's the only reason to make clothes so you can do cool little like vignettes. Well, well, Rachel, why don't you, um, for those who haven't been following along, um, Rachel, yeah, do you should... want to explain the, the fashion's uh, menswear's latest controversy sure. well, between Stan and everyone? Everyone and Stan and Bodie. So I'm sure that um, several of our listeners are aware of Bodie, but maybe they're not aware of Stan. And it's a brand that I learned about, I guess, late last year because I saw it on Rowing Blazer's website. And I thought, well, that's kind of crazy that this guy is selling this knockoff Bodie. Um, And a couple of people have pointed this out on social media before, right? That these quilted jackets that this guy makes are very similar to what Emily does. Um, Mom, I want a Bodie jacket. Son, we have Bodie jackets at home. At (laughs) home, it's like the shitty stand stand jacket. jacket. Yeah. But there are a lot of there are a lot of designers at this point making 
quilted garments. You know, it's kind of, it's become, especially since Emily has become so famous, so famous. And, uh, and a lot of celebrities wear clothing, like, you know, that's kind of, it's, it's in a lot of places, even if it's pretty expensive and hard to get. And like the New York Times did a story about quilted coats being really big at the end of last year, but all of the designers featured in that piece seemed to acknowledge that this had all kind of started with Emily. Um, so I was looking at the various menswear shows earlier this week and I looked at the lookbook for Stan and it just looked exactly like Emily's first couple of lookbooks. You know, it was shot in this country house and these guys are kind of like lounging around like different parts of this house. They have bare feet. It just like the, just the energy and vibe of it felt very much like this was on my mood board and I wanted to recreate it exactly. And the other thing that I noticed that was so strange is that it wasn't just that the quilted clothing and the lookbook seemed the same. It was like, he also seemed to be kind of creating these pants that looked like her senior cords and like the grain sack pants and all that sort of thing. So it began as so many things do in this day and age with a tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of, you know, a lot of people really engaged with that tweet and it was just, I think it was just so upsetting because when you just looked at the four images together of Stan and Bodie, like you couldn't tell, you're like, huh, okay, sure. You know, it's the end of the day and I'm looking at these Bodie pics. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was really hard yeah. to, to tell the difference between the two of them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and I think, you know, as we were talking about it, earlier in the week, I just think there are so many interests, this raises so many interesting questions about, you know, if you have a lot of people who are creating clothes in this way, when does that become, when does that cross the line from like, oh, I'm kind of like a part of this trend or this movement into like, I'm just copying what this other person does. Yeah, it seems to me that, um, like you said, if you look at a little more closely at the stand, the whole collection, it's more than just quilted coats. I mean, he did respond to you and, and others. This this story guy Trebay wrote for the New York Times, sort of like half-heartedly mentions Bodie at the at the end um, of this really glowing review of Stan. And it's not just, oh, quilting, like you said, it's those pants with the prints on them look just like like a crappy version of Emily Bodie's um, senior chords or whatever. I mean, it, and the, the styling of it, I mean, it, it's, it isn't as simple, it seemed to me, as just like the material this dude's choosing to use. The, the coats are kind of like identical, like the flap pocket on the chest and the, the cut is really identical. And I think what like kind of exposes it as being even something sort of nefarious is like, they're priced exactly the same. It really feels like it's like- Like to the dollar, the price is the same. Yeah, and like some of the language seems to be lifted um, using to like just describe the pieces, just like the copy you would see on like an e-com website or something. But it um, it really does feel like a sort of a, like a, uh, not like a business play or something. Like some sort of like, oh, like here's a nice little chunk of the market that I can like, move in and and undercut i don't know or like you know i mean i think it's indicative of something that i've been noticing a little bit um you know here and there recently which is this like upside down 
bizarro fashion universe that basically only exists on TikTok where like duping something or reproducing something that already exists is is not actually a bad thing. It's like, you know, uh, like take BB Bella as an example, like BB Bella who makes these really unique quirky uh, sort of dreamy like pearl necklaces and earrings and stuff. There are so many TikToks where people show you how to recreate them. It's like mm -hmm. to create, like if you Google BP Bella, like the third thing that comes up is like BP Bella dupe. And there's this whole like, like parallel economy of people making and selling and teaching people how to make and sell essentially like, like bead by bead replicas of the BP Bella necklace that Hunter Schaefer wore in Euphoria. Like, I feel like, you know, our generation, um, my generation, your generation, like shit like that would be, is just like extremely like, yeah, like copying, knocking something off, doing, even if you're doing it yourself, it's, it's not cool or it's not encouraged, certainly. <laughs> and, I, you know, maybe it's, maybe there's just more pressure for young people to, who, who might not have so much money to like wear recognizable, like name brand things. Yeah. I guess what's, what's hilarious about stan is that it's just as expensive as bodhi despite being uh you know a, a sort of shoddy replica what you're saying makes sense i mean like tiktok is this sort of alternate universe alternate reality that just doesn't like those rules don't apply and if that's where this dude is coming from and being encouraged and being celebrated and supported then it's just like doesn't come into play and then now he's like sort of out there in the world and on Vogue runway somehow and on, and in the New York times. And, you know, this, and, and I think like the reality is, is becoming quite clear. Although some people like Guy Trebay don't seem, don't seem to mind. I mean, it is tricky to start picking apart like the, how influence works in fashion, you know, I mean, lots of people make things that Martin Margiela made for instance, but, you know, I think that, there's nuance and you got to like take a look and think about um, what people are adding to something or how they're using influence to, to make something new or push an idea forward or just pay tribute um, in like a respectful and meaningful way or whatever. And then there's, you know, just, just knocking off to try to like ride a wave. And I think like a number of younger designers like maybe don't well first I would say like a lot of younger designers are encouraged to kind of think about like where they fit in the marketplace and not in terms of like how are you how is what you're doing original but like how is it going to sell mm -hmm. because you have to think about like the number of people who are like oh like I'm trying to get the old Celine customer for example or like I'm trying to get someone who like loves Raph and Dries but like isn't at that price point. You know, like a lot of young designers are sort of trained to think in those ways. And you have to wonder if like, I mean, and also when you go to a designer studio, like even at a pretty high level, like they have other designers work hanging up everywhere, like mood boards and that sort of thing. And like on their mood boards, but also like the garments themselves, you know, like a place like James Valoria or Procell does a big business lending out or selling clothing to designers that they copy. Um, and I think there's just less, there's maybe, I, I just wonder if like for a really young person, maybe there's like not this understanding as you're saying, Sam, that like, that's not okay. Like the goal isn't to, it's a, 
like it's almost like he doesn't see a problem that someone is already doing this. Totally. Mm -hmm. Because to him, the difference of like mine is about surf and hers is not is like that is a that's a big enough difference to him. Right. Or or Bodhi's success um, proves to him that there's a market for what for, you know, cutting up quilts and sewing them into jackets in his backyard or whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. he does on TikTok. (laughs) The TikTok videos are insane. They are totally insane when he's like lifting weights in between cutting up the quilts. Yeah. I don't the TikTok think it... videos might be like what drive me to madness. Yeah, I agree. I don't and it's think so <laughs> it's so like, you know, like Emily's pieces have these, you know, they have each piece has like the description of like this is what the textile is, and here's like the history that I know of this piece. And he does that, but in like the TikTok language of like, this is 120 years old. Like I'm cutting it up. It's a log cabin style quilt. And it's so, it's such a demoralizing harnessing of that kind of information because it treats it as um, like a novelty, like fun, like temporary fact as opposed to like, oh, I'm now coming. What I love so much about Emily's pieces is that she really encourages her consumers to think about like, I'm coming into possession of this object that is now in my care, you know? And, and it really, I think has changed the way a lot of people think about clothes and I think, and, and buying things and taking care of their clothing. And I think that's so powerful, which is part of what is so frustrating to me about this. I mean, when Emily started her brand to like, uh, you know, some people in the quilting community were questioning like, well, um, you know, why are you cutting up these beautiful quilts to make them into clothing? And um, the, the truth was she, she really wasn't. She was actually like rescuing a lot of quilts that were damaged and, you know, moth-eaten or water damaged because they've been in someone's like attic for 70 years. Um, so a lot of it, you know, I, I think like actually most of the one-of-one pieces she used to make, still makes, were really like from salvaged quilts, not like you know, not just like quilts that she would find, you know, there were things that like were basically beyond saving and, and you know, but but there was enough material to, to, you know, cut out panels or whatever. The quilts that Tristan is cutting up on TikTok look like pristine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is really funny. <laughs> they're like, they're like in perfect condition. They've um, not been to the moth buffet. Which, which makes me question, they've not been to the moth buffet. It makes me question like the, the provenance of some of them, like, oh, there's a hundred, like 120 year old quilts don't, usually look like the ones that he's cutting up but ooh sam a little yeah. quilting conspiracy theory just saying just saying q anon the q stands quilt for quilts <laughs> <laughs> i'm starting quilt anon all right we've given stan more than enough airtime let's dive into um re- yeah read rachel's story on gq.com and and um chew on that a little more if you if you care to and then Let's just dive into our Q and A. Our, um, you know, we opened up the DMs or whatever. Actually, no, we we dropped the the question. Ask us a question widget into the IG stories and um, came up with a million questions. This is like a really good round of questions. I wish we had like three hours to do all this. Okay, who wants to go first? Sam, do you want to go first? No, you go first. I, this one is just fascinating to me, or I I want to address. Um, I woke up thinking about it. So I think the question is from Aiden J. Cronin. 
And he says, how do you look at photos of clothes and know they fit, i.e. pants? And I think this is something I said on corporate lunch. And it, it, it's a great question that's worth explaining. The deal with pant, all clothes, but mostly pants, is that like your size is a ratio, like a length to width ratio. Like you need to understand how wide is your ideal waist relative to your ideal like length, say inseam or outseam. And then that like creates an image that like, you know, it doesn't matter the scale of that image. It's just a ratio. So you can, I like a wide and like short pant. I mean, that's like very obvious. You can like imagine what that's going to look like if you like drew a picture of it. And therefore like that, that's going to be the shape of the pant you see in a, in a photo. So I do think you need like some measurement to go on, but if you know like just what the waist measurement is, then you can look at the image, understand the ratio and if it's going to fit the way you want it to or not. Noah, do you ever just like, like look at the measurements for the pants online and then measure it against something you already have? Well, yeah, that's the best thing to do. That's what I do. Because you do need to also like account for, like you might have a pant that you really like the way it fits and you think this is my perfect inseam, but that's also relative to the length of the thighs. Yeah. So if it has a really long rise, then that inseam is going to be shorter than a pant with it, you know. I think asking that question of us is like asking Michelangelo how he like understands the proportions of the human body. Right. It's just fucking automatic, man. You just, <laughs> you just look at the pants. I was born with this curse. Okay. Someone asked how tall and old are you? <laughs> I'm six one and 18 years old. This is not right. Um, sweater vest Rex. Moses Naughton asks for sweater vest Rex. I think Stussy makes a great sweater vest. Yeah, it's like a hundred bucks for a sweater vest that's like kind of boxy um, and like thin enough where you can wear it over a t-shirt. Um, and you're not going to like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like a t-shirt weather sweater vest, which is much different than like a heavier winter one that you would only wear over a shirt um, or something to like keep your midsection warm. And the patterns and colors are great. Trey Bien often makes good sweater vests. The Grail sweater vest is like, is the comb leopard. Yeah sweater vest from was it like spring summer 2018 yeah, yeah it's 17 yeah. but comb comb bears on om loose often makes good sweater vests trey bien does sam don't you have a stofa sweater vest that's really good yeah i have a cashmere stofa sweater vest that fucking rules it's a it's i think i think the best sweater vests are normally v-neck but this one is just like a deep like a deep crew neck, like a sort of slouchy okay. crew neck. And the body is really beautiful. Um, it's a little cropped, which I think is, is pretty key for a sweater vest. John Teets has good sweater vests. Ask John Teets, find John Teets on Instagram and ask him. John Teets, the sweater vests are not uh, accessible to the common person. I can't whenever even, I, I can't even figure out where they're from. They're all vintage. That's the thing. Whenever I ask John Teets where he got something, he goes, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> he woke up and it just like walked into his apartment. The other, the other sweater vest I really like is like a knit waistcoat with mm -hmm. some like a button up sweater yeah. vest. Yeah. Rachel, go on a question. Where do you guys buy socks? Uniqlo. All my socks are Uniqlo. I like um, Nike dry fits. I like 
a really good like kind of it's not they're not expensive but more than uniqlo is tabio i love tabio i love tabio tabio rib socks are the shit that's my recommendation i really like uh johnston's of elgin cashmere socks i love come, those come see makes amazing socks too i've cool. heard that those are great socks I've never seen How do you feel about the tab on the back? I would just cut it off. Yeah. I don't like that. If that's if if possible, just take the the seam ripper to it. Uh, Dick Nurig wants to know if you had to completely reinvent your fashion vibe, what would be the essence of your look? The essence of your look. Um Hmm. it's a good question. Um that I don't have an answer to. What would be the essence of my look? I think I could start wearing suits every day. Okay. Yeah. You mean as a commitment to tailoring and the look of it, or you mean as like kind of a uniform, like a like a statement about? Not as a uniform. I would get like crazy suits. Yeah. But just like suits every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think wearing a tie every day would be would be a pretty exciting way to reinvent your style. Yeah, I'm totally down with yeah. that. I would do that. One thing this is kind of controversial, but one thing that comes to mind, I think, would be to like really just wear the same clothes all the time, like till they fall apart. Yeah, I couldn't really do that because I like clothes too much, and I like to try new things and get new things and like rotate things and have a lot of things. But I think that there's something aspirational about just having a couple really nice things that you wear till they fall apart. Like when I hung out with Hader Ackerman in Paris for this story a while back, he was wearing these like Berluti pants, I think that he designed that were just falling apart on him. Like it was clear that he'd worn them every day for a few years. Obviously that guy has tons of clothes, but next question, please. What's the best PR package you've gotten? (laughs) That's from Tony Adeyemi. There's no good ones. They're all bad. I mean, once upon a time in the office, you used to get food sometimes, like a box of cookies or something. That was like the best. It was like food and booze. I think one of the best PR packages I got, I think I got it. It was like a, it was a, a weed peanut brittle. And there was just like a little, <laughs> there was like a little like, you know, marijuana leaf on the package to indicate that it was, uh, it was, it was just absolutely juiced. And you know, it was like, I fucking got it at like 11 a.m. The mail guy came and dropped it off. And I was like, all right, not not today. And I put it on the free table. And about 20 minutes later, a colleague of ours, who will not be named, walked over munching on it. He was like, hey, this is pretty good, huh? And I was yeah. like, oh, <laughs> did you look at the package? And, um, and then we had a meeting, like an all hands lineup meeting, uh, like 45 minutes to an hour after that. And he was just vibing. He ate a lot of it. He ate a lot of it. He ate like a lot of it. <laughs> this was literally at 11 a.m. So the whole rest of the day, he was just sort of like, I think he told our managing editor, he was like, just so you know. I'm too high. Well, the thing I really, the thing, the PR thing I really like is when they send a, a really handsome man to deliver it to your home. <laughs> and it's like a guy in like a beautiful suit. Yeah. And he's he hands over this like picnic basket to you. Yeah. Isn't Burberry doing that right now with with these chairs they're giving out? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. The chair looked nice. Um, Rachel? Okay. Uh, June Paul asks, what cool leather jackets 
should we buy for the spring? I like that he said jackets, plural, like it's time to get our leather jacket wardrobe assembled. I absolutely need more than one. So yeah. So I have been, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, going through this big like Johnny Versace thing in my spare time. And he is a leather jacket master. One of the books that I have about Versace just has an entire chapter on his men's leather jackets. And they are so insanely beautiful. They are so cool. And they're really like the, like the leather's really juicy and thick, but super smooth. And I found this jacket yesterday, which I sent to Sam and Noah. I think it's on eBay that is like, has like four buttons and is really fitted in the waist and then kind of like flares out like just a tiny bit, but the buttons are all covered in leather and then embossed with the Medusa. It is like the coolest leather jacket I think I've ever seen in my life. So only $340 on eBay right now. I don't understand why. And it's an XL, which is the correct size for this jacket. This is, someone should buy this immediately. It's so beautiful. It's and it's crazy. I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I always think Supreme makes really good leather jackets. Um, They do them like every season, not like the crazier, like printed ones and stuff, but they're like the basic bombers and stuff. I guess they do some with, um, with shot, right? Yeah, with shot often. And some with, and some with Vanson as well. Yeah, I don't love the Vanson ones, but I like the more like classic regular bombers they do. And I think they're probably like, I mean, for what they are, they're not crazy expensive. Like a, you know, it's not like a designer price. I think vintage too, right? Wouldn't you just like go dig around in some local vintage emporium and find a cool old leather jacket? Like mm-hmm. just the one that happens to fit you perfectly. Yeah, if you're on a budget, for sure. I mean, the best leather jacket currently being made is by Celine. Those things are just fucking the moto jacket. There's just the standard like Celine number one moto jacket is. I think. I mean, it's, I, I can't really explain why, but it's definitely better than the ones that he was making Saint Laurent. It mm. feels more perfect. luxurious. It's just. It's just. Per- it's like he, Eddie, finally after a couple decades, perfected the leather jacket. There's something that he's doing that's really um, like he he is working. He's just like perfecting everything. Like he's yeah. identified the like core elements of menswear of like Western men's clothing and has just been for for seasons, like making it better and better and better. Ethan dot Buffalo asks. How do you deal with things that are actually cool becoming corny, like needles, track pants? Um, I mean, the answer to this question is kind of in the question, which is things that are actually cool, just they don't become corny. I mean, you just don't allow them to become corny. I think. Yeah, I think I think I think he's maybe equating corniness with like something being played out. You just can't worry too much about if you really like something and think think it's actually cool. It doesn't really matter who else is wearing it, and if that matters deeply to you, then you just have to like wear it differently, right? Yeah. Like if you love, if you think needles track pants are like the coolest fucking thing, and then they get really popular, which I get that it it might like if you're on Grailed a lot or something, it might seem like needles track pants are really popular, but I promise you, on most days, you're not going to see other people wearing needles track pants, so like you're good. But if you did, 
I don't think the solution would be to like get rid of all your needles track pants. I think you would just have to kind of be like, well, like what is the way that I wear them? That's cool to me. That's different than the way other people wear them. Needles also makes track shorts and like track skirts. So change it up. If you like the vibe, but you know, don't want to be caught, you know, matching with someone matching with your homies, there are options for you. Amazon prime asks, what's the most fashion cigarette brand? Marlboro. Yeah, Marlboro. I was going to say those like, <laughs> were you guys on that like St. Laurent cruise after that show yeah. that they did in New York and uh, they had these like models walking around with, cig- with with cigarette boxes filled with like these really skinny like French cigarettes? Yeah. Wow. That was great. Yeah. One of the, one of the great nights of in, in New York history. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe like Galois. Those are really intense though. Yeah. You have to be really like alive <laughs> and have your lungs dipped in copper yeah no i think it's probably the, the cowboy killers oh this is a good one for us tiana.jpg asks what is the best hat in the world <laughs> mm. the best hat in the world i mean berets are so sick mm-hmm. but i also really like a stetson Mm-hmm. What was the, um, I know it like became a meme, but it's Vivian Westwood that makes the mountain hat that Pharrell made famous. Is it? Yeah. Yes. I mean, those like super oversized, tall, crazy mountain hats are amazing. Mountain Research makes a really good one. I don't know, Yankees fitted? <laughs> Hard to argue with that. I don't know, Sam, Sam can't weigh in. He doesn't wear hats because his hair is too nice. I mean, we all know the real answer is the corporate lunch hat. Yeah, the corporate lunch dad hat. Yeah, available now on shop.gq.com. Um, who's up, me? Um, this person, Ernest uh, Procale, Ernest Procale asks, what are hard clothes for the summer? In a tropical country, so pretty much summer all year and year round. Um, this person's referring to a story I wrote about hard clothes um you know like a nice stiff linen like linen is like one of the the better hard fabrics really dry and and kind of like rigid that's what i would go with same with like a crisp cotton like a typewriter cloth is like a really dry thin lightweight cotton and then also always lightweight nylon um trying to think of like good nylon examples that aren't ridiculous but um yeah, lots of good f- summer fabrics are, are plenty hard. You're just not wearing, you know, you're, they're light and they're not insulated, you know? Tropical wool is really great. It's like, it has drape to it, but it's also very dry and has that natural kind of hard clothing-like finish. I love tropical wool. Engineered Garments tropical wool stuff is like the best and they make shorts and lightweight blazers. Hell Yeah. I'm psyched for warm weather, I think. It's fucking dumping snow relentlessly. Switching gears a little bit. Mm. Mm. What's your fave sit-down and takeout meal in New York City? I mean, if I was going to dinner in the city tonight and I could go anywhere I wanted, I would probably go to the Odeon. <laughs> yeah. Well, the food as, is- it, as it happens, I am going to the Odeon tonight. So Can I come? Yeah, uh, sure. You drive in. I was going to say... My fave sit-down meals 
in New York, or it's it's like basically either the Odeon, Lucian, or Raoul's. Like, whichever one of those three French bistros will uh, give me a table. I like not because Raoul's. the food, not because the food is 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 like the best in the city because it's you know it's None it's all totally good food. None of the places have have like outstanding food. You know, it's all it's all totally serviceable. They all have great martinis, and the vibe is just really fucking strong. None of, of the places, none of the places in New York that have good food are good restaurants. No, not at all. It's not how it works. It's not how it works at all. I also like Dr. Clark. My favorite takeout meal in New York City is um, is probably Xi'an Famous Foods in Chinatown. I just think there's nothing cooler than ordering a pizza. Mm-hmm. Like from Domino's. No, I would never <laughs> order a pizza from Domino's. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite takeout is the um, Pauly G's Slice Shop in Greenpoint. I'll, I'll take out from there anytime with anyone. I've been kind of wondering if like the the end of the pandemic will mean that some people will start opening those restaurants where you go and sit there for like three hours. Uh, yeah. And there are like powerful tables and less powerful tables. And like you dress up like just to go out to dinner. I fucking hope so. Me too. Because one of the one of the problems with um, dining currently is that uh, all the restaurants are at reduced capacity. So most places now actually uh, only allow you to stay for ninety minutes in yeah. the city. I've noticed, which is harsh. I, I can't get it done in ninety minutes. I mean, how am I supposed to like drink fifteen beers and eat a steak and a piece of cheesecake in ninety minutes? Right, and knock over someone else's cocktail and then. <laughs> offer to buy it for them and then make friends with them and bring them into your universe. Yeah. Push tables together. <laughs> uh, 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 some of these I think are good and then I'm about to say them and I don't know. Joe Coit 18 wants to know, were you always strong in your style preferences or did you have to learn by trial and error? Which is kind of an interesting one. Um, I've always been very particular. I don't know. Trial and error is a funny thing. I think I'm too stubborn and stupid to learn by trial and error. I think I just make error after error um, and you just proceed. You just, you just do. If I'm wearing something and I'm like, it because I, when I'm getting dressed, you get, you know, you kind of like taking things on, putting things off, like holding things, blah, blah, blah. And then you, ideally you get to a certain point where you're like, this is like working and I'm going to like, you know, leave the dressing room experience now. But when I don't get to that, like, okay, I've reached the threshold to be able to leave, it bothers me all day. Like, like there are times I can think about being at the office where I'm like, I have the wrong shoes on. And if I had just worn those other shoes, I would be able to concentrate much better. Yeah. I mean, as the great John Mayer once told GQ, wearing bad hats is the only path to a good hat. That's right. So I keep trying. Next question. Um, Ace Boogie X asks, what catches your eye most when passing a stranger with drip? And for me, it's their walk. Their gait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They could be wearing like anything, but if they're like moving in the right way, that's it for me. The other, well, this is a couple of weeks ago. I was in Soho. And this guy walked by Lloyd and I, and he looked so cool. And we were kind of staring at him because he just looked awesome. And he turned around and he was like, if you think I look good, fucking tell me. <laughs> That's so and, tight. 
And we were like, you look amazing. You look so good. And he's like, thank you. But just tell me next time. And that was a great lesson. Like you yeah. should just, yeah. you shouldn't stare at someone. It's totally yeah. rude. Yeah. First thing I noticed um, about someone is their haircut and then <laughs> how their shoes are interacting with their pants, the shoe hem interface. That'll tell you if, if that's, if the shoe hem interface is correct, that tells you all you need to know. I think the thing to notice is just like, what's the, what's like the fucked up kind of crazy thing they're doing? Like, what are they doing wrong? Like, what rule are they breaking? Like, what's the thing that doesn't make any sense about this person's outfit? And that's going to be like the best part. Cause anyone who like really knows how to dress and really has great style will be doing something that they just like completely made up that is just like against some rule or is some like taboo or faux pas or something, but it's going to be like the best part. And that's the thing to look for. Daily Coffee Press. Have we already talked about this? Daily Coffee Press asks, what is one brand not on the quality list that you thought should have been? Well, the one thing we didn't do on the quality list was like accessories only brands. But now I can't think of any of the like, I mean, so there was a bunch of like footwear or other accessory. I really went to the mat for Belgian shoes. Oh yeah. Back when accessories brands were still part of the conversation for the GQ quality list. Um, Because Belgian shoes to me represents everything that that, that the quality list is about. Um, That's a good one. And certainly a quality brand that's on my personal quality list and should be on yours. Troy Janikowski wants to know, Thoughts on dressing head to toe in a single brand. I'm fine with that. I do it. Best if you're mixing like seasons, if you have like a real old thing and a new thing and a, I don't have any problem with that. I guess as long as it's not like branded or something like. I think it looks extremely cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really cool to like give yourself over to a designer's vision. And it, it obviously it depends on the designer. But then at the same time, it doesn't, you know, like if someone were wearing head to toe off white, I would find that pretty, um, well, and you see people who are wearing that at shows and you're like, wow, that person is like really living it. That's mm-hmm. kind of great. Yeah. There's something really aspirational, aspirational about being a completist and just, and just getting fucking everything from a collection. I think the key is that you, you just don't want to like wear, like you don't want to replicate like the looks from a show or a lookbook or whatever. Like you've got to, you've got to put your own spin on it. Cause you'll still look, you got to style it your own way. Yeah. Like, like you don't want to walk down the street and like Celine look 13. Yeah, definitely not. And you don't want to look like a lookbook model. Like, I think it's important mm-hmm. to realize like lookbooks serve a purpose and that purpose isn't like a guide to like how to dress. Like you don't want to like walk, you don't want that look in a lookbook to walk off the page in real life. Okay, uh, sang- Sanguine Style wants to know, arguments in favor of fashion criticism now that we have no physical fashion week? Which is kind of a crazy question because that would be like saying, how do we write about restaurants when you can't eat inside? Like restaurants are still happening. They're still open. People still have to eat and everyone is still getting dressed. So you have to write about what's happening, whether it's good or bad. I don't, yeah, I don't understand the arguments in favor of fashion criticism when I guess the idea is that you're just seeing a lot of things on a screen and not seeing things as much in person, which like, I mean, used to seem like a big deal. And I still think, you know, if you're really going to write about clothes, you should see them and touch them. But also like, 
phone cameras and like the, the digital presentation of these things is like pretty sophisticated now. So it does feel like you get a lot from, you get a lot of information. I also just think there should never be an argument, like what is ever the argument against criticism? Like if anything, we need more criticism of everything. Even yeah. if that's just like, you know, it's really not working for me to see this stuff on screens. Yeah. Like I was just thinking this morning, I'm not, I was really pretty excited about the menswear shows in January, but now that, you know, with like the women's wear shows are coming up, I'm like, I don't feel so excited about this. Yeah. And that's actually worth thinking about. Like if I'm a person who thinks about fashion all the time and like, this is our job. Yeah. And I'm sort of like kind of tired of this. Like, that's interesting. Sam. Um, okay. Lightning round. Anwar Bess asks, if you had to steal one item from each of your co-hosts' clo co closets, what would you take? Can I take something from Lloyd or does it have to be from Lloyd? <laughs> you can take something from Lloyd. I want Lloyd's Armani pants. I want Rachel's post-imperial suit. Oh yeah. And I want Sam's bone structure. I want Sam's our legacy leather pants. Ooh. Sam, you should just give those to Rachel. She should have them. Yeah, you deserve them, Rachel. I want six. Sam. Wait, Sam, don't you have the Celine loafers? Yeah, I do. Yeah, those are mine then. No, what is that that uh, orange uh, car coat? Oh, I it's still have it. arts and science. Arts and science. That arts and science coat is fucking beautiful. I wish I could wear it walking around this. I wish I could wear it to the Odeon tonight with you. Neo Muhammad wants to know <laughs> how many extra towels is the right amount to have? Which is a great question because um, you don't want too many. Otherwise, you just have a lot of dirty towels because you know you need the amount that like when you run out, it's time to do laundry. I would take the number of people in your household and multiply it times three, and the same goes for socks and underwear. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me think. I have a real problem with having too many socks, and the problem is that. I never have to like do socks laundry and I just end up with like so many dirty socks. And it's mm -hmm. like a real issue. You should really be cycling through like kind of everything probably within like two weeks. Um, Raj Kat Meow wants to know, should I buy my mom a Medea or a Telfar bag for her birthday? And I think the answer is a Medea bag. And I really like the one that is the ice box, which is the super wide kind of triangular one. Yeah. Yeah, the Medea bags are amazing. I love the um, the Kiko ones that they did too. Yeah, those are really good. Yeah. With like the vortex print. Joe Richmond asks, how does Sam Hine wash his hair? The answer is I don't. And you shouldn't wash your hair either. Um, DTV asks, your ideal fit for a spirited drive, which I just love the idea of a spirited drive. That's a dope question. Um, it's definitely a, a short sleeve, just a white t-shirt. My preferred t-shirt brand is graph paper and probably like a nylon pant, like something that's not like, yeah, a nylon pant and Birkenstock Boston's probably. So you can just kind of slip a foot out and let it just kind of dangle out there. <laughs> you can, you can, you think it's fun and spirited to have your foot on the pedal in a clog? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah, why not? That seems dangerous to me for some reason. Boston could kind of... fly off. It could fly off and flop onto the other. It's true. I think I've done a lot of driving in Birkenstock Bostons. I like a little 
the heels out, but the toes are covered. Yeah, I'm I'm sticking to that. I like driving in loafers. Me too. Not like driving loafers, but like normal cool loafers. Yeah, kind of with the little rope, like the Todd's with the <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna ask, have you guys ever driven in those? Because you can a- really see now that we're talking about this, how that would, you know, that kind of yeah, the heel and- cup yeah. would like help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually have a pair of blue suede driving moccasins from um Sid Mashburn that are like I don't know why I have them. They're pretty awesome, but it's a tough, it's a very Euro dad kind of look. I feel like it could work with like very, like five inch inseam shorts mm-hmm. in the summer and like an open shirt. Mm-hmm. All right. You know. Right. So or like your Stan vibe. quilted jacket. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. My Stan crochet shirt. Wouldn't it be funny if he just relaunched his brand and was like, I make driving moccasins now, but they're just <laughs> literally tots. <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's get a couple more before we sign off. Raj caught me out again. Another question, but these are great questions. Top three fashion autobiographies. I don't know. There aren't really that many great autobiographies. Like there's Elsa Scaparelli's and like Dior's. And I guess there's technically one that Chanel wrote, but she didn't really write Like she didn't really write it. This is a bad question, but everyone should read The Beautiful Fall, the best fashion book of all time. Like Alexander asks, best fit for a wedding, uh, parentheses, September. Are you in it or are you at it? He could have included some more details in this question. I think the best fit to wear their wedding is just a tuxedo. And obviously, if it's not a black tie, then, then, then things get a little weird. But you just have to wear a nice suit. Wear a tuxedo or a nice suit and don't overthink it. Yeah, don't wear your fucking Vans. Don't uh, wear sneakers. Bad scene <laughs> underscore... Everyone's fault. <laughs> That's great. Uh, says suit and a t-shirt, hired or wired. And it's kind of funny. I get it. Like the suit and a t-shirt thing was like very like Hollywood creative director or something. Like, isn't there, there's some, I feel like Rachel has the language for describing it, but I like a suit and a t-shirt. I just think your t-shirt should be kind of, um, yeah, it just has to be the right pieces. I don't have anything wrong. I have no issue in general with a suit and a t-shirt. Not against the rules, no. Just don't do that thing where you look like you're like about to go like pitch your deck to like a production studio or whatever. Yeah, the suit can't be too like stiff and skinny mm-hmm. with a t-shirt. Then it's like you you walked out of a Top Man ad or something. Yeah. And noir best. What is one outfit you regret wearing? I don't regret anything <laughs> because I don't leave the house in outfits I don't want to, you know, you can't, you have to always avoid bad outfit feeling. If you never have bad outfit feeling when you leave the house, you'll never have a bad fit. I mean, some of your fits will probably still suck, but you won't regret them. They'll be part of your learning process. I regret wearing um, the second to last dress that I wore to the Vanity Fair Oscar party. What? It just wasn't crazy enough. It was just too normal. Ugh, like it was your chance to really shine and you kind of blew it. Yeah. Oh, and then Kelsey Grammer stepped on it and ripped it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Did he apologize? No, he didn't even care. Fuck him. I regret every time I wore pants that were smaller than a 34 inch waist, even though my natural waist is a 32. <laughs> I regret the stand, the stand outfit that I'm currently wearing. I should, this is, <laughs> I, I fucked up. 
I regret literally every single thing I've ever done, uh, <laughs> except for this beautiful episode, episode 123 of Corporate Lunch. Thanks for the questions. What a joy. What a, I, I just feel so loved and supported by you all um, to have this engagement. And um, just keep sending questions, to, but send them just to Sam Hine, please. And good luck, everybody, with your uh, new quilted clothing brand. We'll see you next time.